Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. There is a, a gentleman from our church who owns a gym that I like to go to. I like to go and exercise there. And when you go to this gym, it's, it's everyone does the same workout. And so when I go there, it, it usually goes something like this. I'll approach him and I'll say, hey, did you do the workout today? And he'll say yes. And I'll say, how was it? How bad was it? And he almost always has the same response. Eh, it wasn't too bad. But then I will do the same workout and usually won't even be able to complete the, the whole thing. And I, I will moan and complain and talk about how difficult it was. I'll go home and whine to my wife. My legs feel like rubber. I can't even go up the stairs or my shoulders hurt so bad. And I'll, I'll just complain about how difficult, how hard it was when, when he did the same thing and even more than I did. And he's saying, eh, it wasn't too bad. I didn't. Well, what's the difference? It's, it's the same workout or he's doing more than I did. Well, it comes down to the fact that he's way stronger than I am and he's way more fit than I am. Now, it's one thing when you're talking about physical fitness, but that describes the way that people respond to life in so many situations. Some people, as they go through life, they will whine and complain about how difficult it is, how hard it is, like they have it so much worse than other people. But just because other people aren't complaining and whining doesn't mean their life is easier. A lot of those people have just developed the strength to be able to go through challenges and come out the other side and say, eh, it wasn't too bad. I didn't mind it too bad. Someone else can face the same problem. Oh, life is so hard. Life is so difficult. You know people like that. Some of you are people like that. You need to develop strength. And that's what we are talking about in this series. There are things that you can do to make yourself stronger. If you will do them, you'll be stronger. If you don't do them, you're not gonna be strong. We've been using a, a passage from God's word that says, if you fall or if you fail in the day of adversity, in the time of trouble, it reveals that, not that the problem was too difficult or the obstacle was too great, it reveals something about your strength. You, you need to be stronger. Your strength was too small. So that's what we've been focusing on. At this point in the series, we have covered a lot of ground. So I won't review as in-depth as, as I like to. We'll just take one or two of them and focus on. If you were here last week, Pastor Jonathan preached a phenomenal message about pruning things out of our lives. And really, essentially what he was talking about was holiness. If you want to be strong, you need to walk in holiness. That's why in Ephesians chapter six, it refers to the breastplate of what? Righteousness. It provides protection and strength to walk in holiness. Get rid of things from your lives that don't belong. Some of them obviously sinful. Some things are just going to keep you from, from God's best and being everything God's called you to be. The week before that, we talked about joy, how we need to be joyful and happy. You're, you're not just a victim of circumstances. The level of joy that you maintain in your life actually will dictate your circumstances. Joy is medicinal. Amen. The joy of the Lord is to be our strength. We've talked about keeping ourselves filled with the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, praying with other tongues and how that keeps us, keeps us strong. We've talked about prayer. Before that, we talked about the importance of God's word. I just wanna focus on that for, for just a moment before we jump into some new material. It is important that you maintain a deep connection with the word of God, not just a shallow casual encounter, a deep, intimate encounter with the word of God. We looked at Mark chapter four, where Jesus tells the parable of the sower. 
and says that the seed is the word of God. After Jesus shares this parable, the disciples say, Jesus, what, what are you talking about with this seed and planting and all, what, what does that mean? And Jesus said, if you don't understand this, if you don't understand that parable, how are you going to understand anything else that I tell you? Jesus didn't say that to the disciples because the parable was so simple and elementary. He said that because the parable was so foundational. If you don't understand the way God's word functions in your life, if you don't have a deep encounter with the word of God, how will you ever gain any other understanding? Because everything that we, we learn, everything God wants to speak to us, revelation, it all starts with the word of God. God's word is the seed. If you want to grow, if you want to advance, all life comes from the seed. Life comes from the seed. So if you want life, you want growth, it, it's all going to start. The beginning point is hiding God's word in your heart. My wife and I dated for four years before we got married. During those four years, guess how many kids we had? We had zero children. Want to know why we had zero children? Because we didn't do what was required in order to have children. So it really wasn't a problem. You don't, you don't get someone pregnant from holding hands. Or from a, a kiss on the cheek. You don't, you don't get someone pregnant that way. And I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to give a birds and the bees talk. Although I see some of you writing stuff down furiously. Not from holding hands. You've been, you've been lied to. But all life comes from a seed. That, that, that's where life begins. There is a place in a woman's body where that seed needs to go in order for life to begin. Right? It's not, again, I'm not trying to be crude, just, just, just the facts here, right? It's, it's not just any old place. God has designed a woman's body in a, in a way that there is a place particular place, her womb is where that seed needs to be, needs to go for, for life to be conceived and for, for fruitfulness to occur. That's the way that it works. And he's also designed you spiritually that the, the seed of God's word, not just in your notebook, not just floating around in your mind somewhere, you also have a place that that, that seed needs to be lodged in order for life and fruitfulness to come from it. You need to hide God's word in your heart to get a deep encounter with the word of God if you want to see fruitfulness come from the word. There's lots of people that have heard lots of verses and it's done nothing in their life because it didn't enter that plate. It's not hidden in their heart. They don't have a deep encounter. And that's what the parable is all about in Mark chapter four that we looked at. People that have shallow encounters with the word of God don't get to a place of fruitfulness. You've got to hide it in your heart. Amen. Well, let's pray and we'll jump into some new material. Father, we love you so much. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, I pray you bless each one of us with eyes to see, bless us with ears to hear, a spirit of revelation and understanding that we could know you more, God. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. Lord, flood our hearts with light so we can know you more. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. I want to take a few minutes this morning and talk about one of the most critical areas of our lives in determining the course of our life and whether we grow stronger or not, and maybe one of the most neglected areas in most Christians' lives, an area that is just left to chance. We're just very careless with this area. 
I want to talk about our relationships. Talk about friendships. Not just romantic relationships, all those obviously carry over, but specifically friendships. If you were to write down right now, if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to do it. Who are the five, six, four, five, six people that you are closest to? Let's go ahead and write it down. Who are they? Write down their names. Who are the five people that you are closest to? If you can't, you can't think of any, then just put a, a question mark. But it's important. Who are the people that you are, are closest with? Because when we understand, we're going to look at some passages from God's Word. God's Word has an enormous amount to say on this subject. When we understand how important this area of our life is, we'll see it should be one of the most strategic areas of our lives. But instead, again, most believers, it's just a matter of convenience. It's just a matter of, you know, whatever happens, happens. I just happen to be around this guy at work all the time. I guess he's, you know, one of my close friends. I've known this lady since high school. So, you know, I guess she's one of my best friends. It's just kind of what, what, whatever, anything goes when it comes to our, our friendships. This should be an area that we are very, very strategic with, that we give it thought because it has enormous effect on everything that we do. It's going to affect the course of, of our lives. You shouldn't relate to everyone this, at the same way. Not everyone is the same. You shouldn't give every person the same level of respect. You shouldn't have the same kind of engagement. Not everyone should have the same kind of access to your life. So, so I, I know in church we like to say, hey, how many know we're all God's children, God loves everyone, and that, that's true. But sometimes we stop right there and we get lazy and we aren't discerning because it feels good to talk about how God loves us all and how many know we, we all have the same value. We're all the same in those ways. But if you're being honest, you know it's not true that we're all the same. You know there are some people that are more disciplined than others. You know there are some people that are more successful than others. You know there are some people that act with more wisdom than others. True? True. You, so you know we're not all the same. So, but in church, again, we like to say, hey, we're all, we're all the same. We're all God's children. And in some ways that's true. Some, yes, God loves us all. We should love everyone, but we're not all the same. We're not all the same. Not everyone should have the same kind of access, the same way that you relate. Some people will talk to anyone who's willing to listen. They'll just pour out their heart. Anyone is able to speak into their lives and they'll just drink up their, their advice. If you're willing to listen to them, then the, you can speak into that situation. People get advice off of social media. Well, I made a post about my relationship and this person said I should probably just end it. So I think that's what I'm going to do. Not, not everyone should be able to speak into your life. I bumped into a friend from high school and I, I told him what's going on at work and they said I should probably just, just quit and uh, you know, follow, my, follow my heart and pursue my, my dreams. So I think that's what I'm going to do. Based on who, who are these people that are speaking into their, your life? What kind of fruit do they have? What level of success? You're taking advice from someone who's still unemployed and living in their parents' basement. They're, they're going to speak into your, your career situation. Not everyone should have the same access. Who are the people that you know love you, you know they have wisdom, you know they want to honor God? Those are the people that we need to surround ourselves with and be strategic in this area. We're not all the same. There are people in my life that I love. I love them but I don't want their advice. I'm not open for them to speak into my, my, my situations. There, there are other people, I, I don't love them anymore, 
but I'm wide. I covet their wisdom. I want them to speak into my situation. I want them to speak into my marriage, speak into my finances, speak into my parenting skills. I'm wide open. I'm receptive. I want them to because they, they, not everyone should have the same kind of access and the same kind of way of relating with us, right? So if, if you're just wide open for everyone, it's foolishness. It's unwise just to be wide open for anyone to speak into. We've got to be more discerning, more discriminative, more selective, more strategic in the people that we allow to influence us. You know, Jesus, Jesus was strategic in the people that he surrounded himself with, and Jesus didn't relate to everyone the same way. You know, before Jesus selected the 12 people that he would spend most of his time with, do you know what he did? We're talking about Jesus, the Son of God. But even he knew, man, these relationships are going to be critical. Jesus took all night to fast and pray before he selected his 12 disciples. He was strategic about it. It wasn't just some, eh, these guys seem to like me. I like spending time with them. I guess you guys. No, God, I've got to hear from you. This is too big of a decision. It's way too important how this is gonna play out. God, I've got to know who are the people I should surround myself with. Jesus was strategic and he didn't relate to everyone the same way. Jesus would spend time with the masses. There was one way he related with them. Jesus had a group of 72 then within that group, he had a group of 12. Within the 12, he had three. And within the three, he had one. And he related on different levels. And the disciples knew about it. They were aware Jesus doesn't treat us all the same. You can read John chapter 13. When Jesus said, hey, one of you guys is going to betray me. Peter told John, ask him who it's going to be. Why didn't Peter ask him himself? Peter, you just ask him. Because he knew John has different access than I do. Right? He knew there, there's, people relate different ways with Jesus. He understood that. So he was being strategic and getting information. He was going through the person that was closest. So that, that's the way that Jesus operated. So it's wise for us to follow Jesus' example and be strategic in our relationships. Amen? Amen. So when it comes to relationships, I know we're, we're wired different. We've got different personalities. So some people in this room, you just want to hang out all the time. You've got fear of missing out. And so relationships are like your thing. That's one end of the spectrum. And there's people on the other end that say, well, this doesn't really apply to me because I'm kind of a loner and I don't really, you went to write down five people you're closest with. And after your, your mom and dad, you had nobody else to, to write because you've got no friends. Well, listen, we, we need relationships. Some of us need to eliminate some. Some of us need to create some. You, you, we need one another. You need relationships. In Genesis chapter two, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, we usually apply that to marriage and it does apply. God solved that problem in the Garden of Eden by creating Adam a wife. But the truth of that statement still remains. There's one way God solved it, but the truth still remains. It's not good for man to be alone. Man shouldn't live in isolation. We need one another. We need relationships. They are, they are too important not to be intentional about. So we need one another, but we also need to be aware not everyone is the same. Not everybody is the same. People carry an atmosphere. There's an environment that you carry. Every person has one. And when you step into it, it affects you. You've seen it affect your kids or your friends, your spouse. You've seen it affect you. That when you started a certain relationship, you can look back over your life and think, well, when I got around that person, that's when I got into water skiing. Or I started spending time with that lady. That's when I really started uh, 
couponing or scrapbooking or whatever it is. People, we step into an environment, we step into the atmosphere of that person and it affects us. And I'm just using hobbies as an example, but there's lots of examples, right? Where you can look at your life and say, man, when I, when, during that period of my life, I was close to that person and here's what life looked, it took a turn. You can see the effects in other people. There's people my wife has spent time with and I, I've told her, I, I don't like it when you spend time with that person. Because I can see the effect. Other people, I want her to spend time with because you can see the effects. Is anyone with me? You can see the effects on your children. It's very easy as a parent to see that. I don't like it when you spend time with that person because you can see, you step into that environment. Atmospheres, environments affect us. Do you know that the sun has an atmosphere called the corona? It extends from the surface of the earth, from the sun past the earth. So the earth is actually in this atmosphere of the sun. You don't always have to be aware of it for it to affect you. You ever work outside or spend time outside and you, you don't think that you're getting sun, but then you look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day or look at your arms. Oh my goodness, I got a lot of, I got a lot of sun. You weren't aware of it. It was affecting you. The closer you get to the sun, what happens? The more intense that effect becomes. So the closer you get to someone in relationship, the more that atmosphere, the more that environment has an impact on your life. That's why dating and marriage relationships are so important not to make foolish decisions because that person is gonna have one of the most profound impacts on your life than any other relationship because humanly speaking, the marriage relationship is the closest relationship that exists. So you need to be aware people carry an atmosphere or an environment and through relationships, friendships, companionship, you step into that atmosphere and you need to avoid being in destructive, corrosive environments. Most of you know the story of Jonah. You can read about it in the Old Testament, in the book of Jonah. God told Jonah to go to a city called Nineveh. And because of patriotic reasons, it was one of the enemy cities, uh, Jonah didn't want to go there. So he actually got on a boat going away from there. He wanted to get further away from, from Nineveh. And what happened? God, God sent a storm, a violent storm, almost sunk the ship. That, that was affecting Jonah based on his decisions. During that point in his life, he was living in defiance, in rebellion of what God had told him to do. He was disobeying God and there, were, there was an effect in his life. But it wasn't just affecting him. It was, it was an environment and atmosphere that also affected all of the people around him. The other people that were close to Jonah during that season of his life were affected. They suffered loss. They almost lost their lives. They, they were throwing their, their luggage, throwing their goods overboard. Why? Because of the atmosphere of Jonah's life and because they were close to him, they, they were being affected by it. Now, it's not that Jonah was necessarily a bad guy. He didn't want to do them any harm. In fact, if you read the story, even after he tells them, listen, guys, the, the reason of this problem, it, it's me. I, I'm the one. Just throw me overboard. They, they didn't listen to him right away. They said, no, let, let's try to row. Let's try to figure something out. They didn't want to do it right away. So it's not like Jonah was some obviously sinister character in the back of the boat wearing a black leather jacket and like whittling with a, a knife, just looking like a, a bad guy. Even after he said, I'm the problem, they, no, let's keep this guy on board. He seems like a nice guy. He might have been the most well-mannered guy on, on the boat. 
But because of the environment, the atmosphere that he carried, he endangered everyone else. You've got people in your life, maybe, that even though they're, they're, they're nice, you can justify having them in your life. Oh, he's so kind, she's so funny, I really enjoy being around them. But they are carrying an atmosphere with them. And if it's destructive, you need to distance yourself from them. Those men weren't safe until they cut ties with Jonah and tossed them out, and then peace came to that ship. He carried an atmosphere. People carry atmospheres, environments, and it affects everyone around them, either for the good or for the bad. Now, people around you might not be actually endangering your life like the people with Jonah, but they can endanger something more important than your life. They can actually endanger your soul. Let me read to you what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. It says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Some translations say morals. Another translation says character. Do you know why it intentionally says do not be deceived? The Bible never wants you to be deceived. The Bible is truth. The Bible is against deception. So when it specifically says do not be deceived, there, there's a reason. And the reason is this is an area where a lot of people are deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Your good character, you've got good character, that's wonderful. You've got good habits, praise God. You've got good morals, that's wonderful. But don't be deceived. It doesn't matter how good your character is, how good your morals are. They can become corrupted. That word means spoiled, to go bad, like, like a piece of meat, to begin to rot, to go from a state of being good to no longer good to rotten. So it means it, it, there's a, a corruptive, corrosive effect. What can take your good character, your good morals, your good habits, and absolutely ruin them? Bad companionship, spending time with the wrong people. D don't be fooled. No, no that, I just like spending time with them. They're not having an effect on me. I'm, I'm actually trying to minister to them. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. There are people that we minister to, and again, we, we love everyone. I understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about friendships, companionship, people that you, you bring close in your life, people that you're spending time with, people that you're letting your guard down, you're letting them speak into your life. Bad company, evil company will corrupt. Even people with good character, good morals, you will be corrupted if you spend time with the wrong people. I'll just give you a couple more references. This is such an emphasis in the word of God. Proverbs chapter 22, 24, don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people. Why? You will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. You'll endanger your soul. Talking about being close to angry people, people with short tempers, what's gonna happen? You're gonna learn to become like them. You're gonna put yourself in that environment and it will have an effect on you. Psalm chapter one, verse one. The very first verse of the Psalms talks about a blessing for a specific kind of person. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. People that distance themselves from those that are engaged in sin, enjoy sin, willfully sin, they're wicked, they don't want to honor God, there is a blessing that comes to people that will not let those people close to their lives. The devil uses relationships strategically to pull people down. Certain people just pop into your life, all of a sudden an old friend just out of nowhere shows up, Someone just buddies up to you at work. The devil will use relationships strategically to try to ruin you, but God will also use relationships as an opportunity to lift you up. 
If, but you've got to be wise and shrewd and intentional, strategic about the people that you have relationships with. So it's not just a negative effect. I know it's the verses I've been reading. Listen to this. Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. So again, a warning about being a companion with foolish people. But it says, if you walk with the wise, what'll happen? There's an environment that a wise man carries that it'll affect you. There's more than one way to become wise, but one of them is just to find someone who's wise and become a friend with that person. Walk with them, get close to them. And it's, you're gonna be in that environment and the closer you get, the greater that impact is going to be. If you walk with the wise, then you will become wise. Turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter four. Now, I know when we talk about friendships, Christina and I were talking about this this morning. It can be like, oh, that's like a youth group message. That's a message for when you're a teenager and peer pressure. That's not what the word of God says. When you see how, how impactful this is in our lives, it doesn't matter how old you are, you need to be strategic with the people that you're spending time with. It's important. Whatever age you are, young people, yes. Old people, yes. Middle-aged people, yes. We've got to be strategic. In the body of Christ, we should have the most life-giving relationships that anyone can ever enjoy, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to be intentional about it. Ecclesiastes chapter four. Starting in verse nine, it says, two are better than one because they will have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. Just, just being a loner doesn't keep you safe from the dangers of bad relationships. You, you need relationships. It's not good for man to be alone. Woe to him who falls alone. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So he talks about a few different benefits of having companionship, of having people in your life. He says that someone else, if you've got a companion in your life, they have the ability to lift you from one place to another. That, that means there are certain levels that you'll never get to without someone in your life to spur you on, to help you rise to that level. Relationships are one of the ways that God uses to lift people from one level to another. Positive friendships have the ability to put a, a lift on your life. Woe to the person who doesn't have someone to lift them in life. And then he talks about comfort. Laying down with someone and they're able to keep you warm. Now he's not just talking about snuggling. Although I think there's grounds there. <laughs> Some hearty nodding. If you want to use it for snuggling purposes, then you've got... You've got grounds to do so. But you, you emanate something other than warmth. You radiate more than just heat. It's talking about comfort, that people provide comfort. There's something, com you, you're not intentional about the heat that your body produces, right? It's happening right now. You're not intentional about it. You just emanate it. It's just radiating off of you. There's something about having close friends that there is a comforting factor. There's things that you can draw off of them that are, they, they, they just 
radiate it and it brings comfort. Things in your life that would torment you, that would make you uncomfortable, having a close friend can help dispel that in your life. When our girls, especially when they were younger, sometimes if we ever asked them to go into the basement to get something, they did not want to go into the basement. I, I don't want to go, I don't want to go down there. I don't know if they're afraid of, you know, bad guys in the basement or monsters or what, what was down there. But if they could get someone to go with them into the basement, then they would be fine with it. They just didn't want to go down there alone. Sometimes, you know, this is a few years ago, they'd even get Hazel when she's three or four years old. And if they could get Hazel to go into the basement, then all of their fears would be alleviated. They felt, okay, they're fine going into the basement with a three-year-old. Now, if there's monsters down there, she's not going to provide a whole lot of protection. Or if there is a gang of bad guys hiding down there somewhere, she's not going to help them. But just having someone with you, you've experienced it, right? There are certain situations you can't even really explain. If I were alone, I'd be very uncomfortable. But because he's with me, because she's with me, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm okay. Friendship, that pe people just emanate something that causes comfort to come. It helps dispel things that would cause you to be uncomfortable. And then he says this, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, Two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly or is not easily broken. He's talking about strength, that when you've got companions, it brings a certain level of strength to your life, and that's what we're talking about. One of the ways that you can be stronger is to surround yourself with other men of God, other women of God. And when you're attacked, when obstacles come, if you've got someone with you in your life, it provides a level of strength that you can't access any other way. And he says, a three-stranded cord is not easy easily broken. People want to try to break you, hurt you, harm you. When you've got godly friendships in your life, it's not going to be easy. Good luck. I've got some, I've got some godly friends in my life. Good luck trying to break me. Amen. He's telling us the, the importance of having people around you. But again, not everyone is the same. We've got to be strategic and selective. Proverbs 18, 24 says, a person of too many friends comes to ruin. A person of too many friends comes to ruin. Now we're talking about how important friends are. That doesn't seem to make any sense. A person with too many friends, it actually is a bad thing. I'm sure there's more depth to it. Let me give you what understanding I do have. You can't be friends with everyone. You just can't. One, for time reasons. If you're gonna invest in quality relationships, you, you've got to be selective. But maybe more importantly, if you're going to be friends with, with everyone, that means you're gonna to have to be constantly adjusting to be pleasing to everyone. And you can't be who God wants you to be when you're constantly adjusting and trying to please everyone. You need to have some standards for the friends that you have in your life and some standards for yourself that you're not gonna compromise on. You shouldn't just be conforming to fit whatever group of people so that you can be friends, be friends with them. There should be things in your life when people get to know you, you're so solid on it that it, it ends possible friendships. True? So some things in your life that you don't compromise on when you can only get so close and then it's, it's a deal breaker. When people get close enough to you, they see, man, she, she doesn't bend on this. She's too strong in this area and it just makes certain friendships. You shouldn't be completely formable to whatever situation that you're in. Some standards that you have. And again, I'm not saying you don't like people that don't meet those standards, that you don't love them. But as far as your inner circle, people that are close to you, I'll, I'll give you an example. Pe 
people that are close to me, if I'm gonna be good friends with them, they're not gonna be people who drink alcohol. So I know that might sound judgmental. I'm just sharing you, it doesn't have to be yours. You can have the opposite. You can say, I'm only friends with people that drink alcohol. If that's what you, I'm just sharing, I'm giving you an example. If I'm gonna be, it doesn't mean I don't like them. It doesn't mean I think bad things about them, but I know that my life isn't headed the same way as theirs is. We're gonna differ on something that to me is important. We're just, we're not the same. And I'll be, I'll be friendly with you, but as far as being friends, we're not gonna be close. Makes sense? You, you need to have standards. I'm just giving you one of mine. Some things that you say, you know what? People that are really close to me, I've gotta have this kind of person to get where I want to go in life. Listen, listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 18, I'm sorry, Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron. Notice it's talking about iron and what else? Iron. It doesn't say as iron sharpens plastic or as glass sharpens iron or as carpet sharpens iron. It's talking about, they're made of the same thing. You've got to find people that are, they're of the same substance, the same material. You've got the same goals in, in life. Those are the people that are gonna help propel you and sharpen you. Which one is being sharpened? The iron or the iron? Yeah, both of them. As iron sharpens iron. So it's people that you are having a positive impact on as well. When you come into relationships, what are you adding? What are you doing? How are you contributing? How are you trying to lift that person up? It's not just someone who's a, a loser trying to latch on to people that are, are going places. You've got to bring something to the relationship. When you enter into relationship, how can I spur these people on? How can I help these men find purpose? How can I try to lift them? How can I encourage them? How can I be a blessing in their life? That, that, as iron sharpens iron, I want benefits from those relationships as well. But we step into them saying, how can I be a blessing to these people? How can I add value to them? How can I sharpen them? They are gonna be better off. I wanna be close to them, but as I get closer, I want them to see in their life that they're better off for having me in their life. As iron sharpens iron. So evaluate your friendships. Those five that you wrote down, the ones I asked you to write down. Look, over the last year, two years, three years, how has that person made you better? What have they done? How, how have they encouraged you, challenged you? And if you've got no answer, maybe it's time to look for different friends. But I really like him. I really like her. We've been friends for 15 years. I'm talking about being strategic. I'm not saying you to tell them that you hate them and you'll never talk to them again. You start to withdraw. Just You start to get out of that. You start to back away from that atmosphere, that environment. I'm stagnant in this environment. Obviously, some environments you can see, man, I, that was so detrimental. As soon as I started that relationship, it started to harm me. Others aren't as obvious. Just got, when I started hanging out with this person, all of my growth just kind of came to a halt. Just kind of slowed down. I just got sluggish. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens his friend. You know, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to spur each other on to love and good deeds in Hebrews chapter 10. That's, that's a responsibility in the body of Christ that I'm supposed to be thinking about. That's, that's how the Bible tells us to conduct our friendships. I need to be considering what can I do to spur that person on, to motivate them. 
A, a few years ago, when, when I was a youth pastor, we were doing an outreach, in a, like an in-state missions trip in another part of the state. And we were at a small church in a little community and we were doing like a VBS for the community. And it was a Wild West themed VBS. And we brought in a horse. The kids were taking little horse rides around the yard. And there was a point in the VBS where all of the kids were off eating snack or, or doing crafts or something. And I was standing in the yard and that horse was by itself just kind of tied up. And I've got this fascination with being a cowboy where I, I like to think of myself as a cowboy or I wish I was a cowboy. So I looked around and I thought, what the heck? And I, I jumped on that horse. You know, a horse is kind of getting a rut. It's just used to like taking a, a stroll. Well, I'm a cowboy, doggone it. So I, I, I slapped its rear end and I, I made cowboy noises and dug my, my heels in. And that horse took off through yards. I couldn't get it to stop. I was going through clotheslines and through shrubbery. It was out of control. I, I was afraid for my life because what, what, what did I do? I motivated it to move forward, right? So he's talking about when you spur each other on. Spurring motivates people to leave where they are and to move forward. But you know one of the reasons that it motivates? Because there's pain. Because there's discomfort. A spur doesn't feel good. If you spurred a horse and it just fell down on the ground and started napping, then you've spurred them wrong. That's, that's not the way a spur works. It, it causes discomfort, pain, and that pain motivates. But you know something about spurs? Someone's wearing spurs? If one of the ushers in the back of the room was wearing spurs right now, and they were going to spur me, you know what they have to do? They couldn't do it from back there. They'd have to get close. They'd have to get very, very close to me to spur me. Proverbs 27, 6 Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds. Now, what is he talking about? He's not talking about people that are just cruel and critical and hurtful and mean, but there is a kind of wound. It's just the faithfulness of that friend that would be willing to inflict that discomfort and that pain. And we've gotten really good as the church of building these superficial, artificial, weak pretend relationships where, where no, once somebody tries to speak into our life, the relationship's over. It just, it just severs it. And we don't have anyone in our life that can wound us faithfully because if they start heading, talking about my marriage, talking about the way that I use my giftings, my talents, the way that I use my time, I, I don't, I don't want to hear from them anymore, right? Because we've built flimsy relationships instead of allowing people to get close, real genuine friends, Letting them shut, and the whole body of Christ suffers because we haven't been good enough at building real, genuine friendships, genuine relationships. I'm not talking about people who just say whatever and just they're able to criticize you. That's not what I'm talking about. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds. Do you have anyone in your life that could sit you down and say something that would sting, but you trust them enough to say, you know what? You're right. You're right. I need, I need to make changes. Do you have anyone in your life that you trust on that level that could speak to you that way? And if not, how are you gonna move from where you are to where God wants you to be? Because he tells us, we, I need to be spurred. I need someone to motivate me. Make me uncomfortable to stay the same. 
Make me uncomfortable to plateau. I wanna rise higher. God's got a higher place for us to go, but you know as well as I do, our tendency is just to coast, to get lazy, to get to good enough and stop climbing. There, there's no climax in the body of Christ. There's, there's no pinnacle that you reach. There's always higher up and further in. There's a higher place and we need one another to get us there. But if we don't get better at real relationships, part of it's because we've lacked discernment. We've let a bunch of people that aren't very good close to us and we've seen that, that's not very helpful. So now I'm just not letting anyone close. We need to be better at discerning, finding three, four, five, six genuine friends, some real women of God, some real men of God, letting them close and eliminating some other people from our lives. They, I'm not saying they're evil. They might be very nice. They're fun to talk to. They've got a great sense of humor, whatever. They're not gonna spur you. You, you know, if I, if I keep this relationship, it's dead weight. So it's indulgent. It's indulgent on our part. It goes back to what Pastor Jonathan talked about last week, to, to lop certain things off, to eliminate them from our lives. Some people, it's just, they laugh at my jokes. They make me feel really funny. Well, that's selfish. That's just indulgent on my part. I, I just need, I need to get rid of it. Strategic in our relationships. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spur one another on. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Here's what I want to do. Let me ask you to stand to your feet. This, this is a message that like altar time can be a little weird. You know, if people respond to the altar, if you want a friend and try to try pairing people up, you two look like, you look like you'd get along some kind of speed dating scenario. So we're just gonna pray. We're just gonna pray. So I'll give you a few prayer points. We'll take a few minutes to pray. One, just pray for grace to be a godly friend. Pray for grace. Father, make me a godly friend that I could sharpen people where I've been selfish. Reveal it to me. Make me a kind of friend that spurs people on to love and good deeds. Make me the kind of friend, I'm, I wanna be a lifter of men, a lifter of women. Make me that kind of friend. Maybe you need to pray for a friend. If you're someone's, I've got no friendships to eliminate. God, help me to know who to begin to latch onto. Maybe it's not natural for you. How do I even start, how do I go after a friend? Father, bring people into my life. Pray for a friend as in forming a relationship. Take, take time right now to actually pray for the friends that you have to be a blessing to them. Father, I pray for those men in my life. God, you bless their marriages. Just take time to pray for your friends. So we're gonna pray for grace to be godly friends. We're gonna pray for friendships that need to be formed. We're gonna pray for the friendships that we have. Some of you need to be, pray about friendships that need to be removed. Just to take time. Father, speak to my heart. Show me what people... Again, we're not saying they're, they're bad people. They're just not, you don't need that environment, that atmosphere. Help me to know what to eliminate. Give me strength. Give me grace to eliminate. Who knows? God might be speaking to them too. And they're looking to eliminate you. So let's make sure you both hear. 
So we're gonna pray along those lines. I give you four prayer points. And as we're praying, I'm gonna have the worship team lead us. As we're praying, if there's something specific you'd like, like prayer for, I'm gonna be available at the altar. I'd love to, love to pray with you. We're gonna take a few minutes. And I want you to really pray. Again, this is so, this isn't like elementary stuff. We, we can take it that way and that's a mistake. This is something that's going to direct the course of your life. You need friendships. You need people to spur you on. You need healthy environments and atmospheres. So we're, we're gonna, I want you to pray, okay? They're gonna begin to lead us. If you'd like prayer for something specific, come down and I'll pray with you and then we'll close in just a few minutes. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.